Hey, welcome back to Elder Law Issues. This is Robert Fleming. I'm one of the partners at Fleming and Curdy PLC, a Tucson, Arizona elder law firm. And uh, and you're listening, as I say, to Elder Law Issues, our weekly podcast. The hour part of that is my partner, Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman. Elizabeth, happy hey, to see you. Hi. Uh, we're going to talk today about guardianship and powers of attorney. And, and I'd kind of like to set this up the way we hear it so often from clients. They call and they say, uh, my mom's in the nursing home and uh, and she really is not doing very well. She can't make her own decisions. And the nursing home says, I need to get her power of attorney. So can I come and get her power of attorney? How many times have you heard that, that uh, intake question? A lot of times, Robert. And generally, I wanna tell everybody who's listening today, Oftentimes those calls are made in emergencies, in difficult times, under stressful circumstances. And listener, no, the caller who is calling and asking for help is not trying to exploit mom most of the time. In fact, these are really decent human beings, could be siblings, could be a spouse, could be a child who are faced with a real dilemma that's oftentimes sensitive. So their call, hey, I need to get power of attorney for my mother, is not because they want to do anything nefarious or cause any ill will. And in fact, probably the nursing home admissions director has told them they need to have a power of attorney in order to sign the documents or something like that. And so they're uh, they're just trying to, to follow through on what they've been asked to do. But what's the problem with that question? Well, the problem is, is that the only person who can essentially create a power of attorney is the principal. And when I am a principal and I am creating a power of attorney that says who I want to appoint, I'm appointing an agent. And so you're not able to have an agent, the son or daughter or spouse or friend, appoint themselves. Right. So mom, in our basic scenario, needs to be able to sign the power of attorney. Well, she can sign some things. Um, I got her to sign a check for the for the first month uh, nursing home bill. I'm not sure she understood it, but uh, but I can get her to sign. So that's not a problem. Just give me the document and let me take it to her. I'll get her to sign it. Email me the document. Yes, that's right. So here's the challenging thing, Robert, is by that time in that intake call, or if that conversation has been initiated, um, one of the first questions that we have to ask ourselves is, hold on, who, who would our client be? Because we're getting a call from somebody who is trying to help and wants a document created, but they don't actually have the authority to create this document. And they're saying that the person who needs the document may not have capacity to create it. Crap. Yeah, that's a, that's a technical legal term that you're right. using. And so I think, Robert, in this circumstance, we've got a fantastic group of legal assistants on our team who handle intake. And when we have a caller who calls with this set of facts or something similar, usually that person um, is cut off in a very polite way quickly. Because what our team tries to convey is that if we start hearing information and all of your concerns about how your parent is foggy and may not have capacity, then it's really impossible for us to make a neutral objective judgment 
and potentially represent your parent to create powers of attorney. So all of a sudden, somebody who's trying to do the right thing has possibly eliminated us as an attorney for the parent. You know, we're, we're not able to represent the agent, the child in your example, and the parent at the same time in the context of how that power of attorney can be used or is created. So one of the first things that our legal assistants are trying to figure out is trying to figure out one of the first things they are trying to f- figure out. I have to think about that sentence a minute. The first thing that we are trying to address is mom's level of capacity. So if what the caller is telling us is, no, no, mom no longer knows who I am, and uh, and she thinks that uh, my husband is her husband, and uh, and she's very confused about everything, then we can say, well, you may have been told that you need a power of attorney, but it's pretty clear that your mom can't sign a power of attorney, and so what we need to talk about is guardianship instead. Maybe. Maybe we don't need to do guardianship, but we need to be talking to you, daughter, about what you can do to get control over your mother's affairs, not what your mom can do to give you control over her affairs. And so those facts and really the first minute or two of an intake call are really important because if the facts indicate, all right, well, mom is totally incapacitated, then our legal assistant team are going to be able to pretty quickly jump to the next step, which is it's unlikely she would have the ability to create a power of attorney. And so perhaps a consultation with you about a guardianship or conservatorship is appropriate. But if the initial facts indicate, oh, mom's pretty foggy late in the day, but she loves reading the newspaper every morning and um, still balances a checkbook a little bit, and you know, those facts indicate that your mom may actually still have capacity, in which case we probably are saying, hey, if you want our help and you want us to potentially assist your mom, you need to have your mom call us so we can assess things further. Please don't go into further detail about your concerns or or other you know, kind of outstanding details that might either um, create a, a difficulty for us with the representation or simply make us unable to be in any kind of position to represent your mom. And, and this whole business about difficulty in our taking on the representation is protective of the client as well. We don't want to, uh, because we've heard this so many times, we don't want your brother to later be saying, uh, my sister took mom to her attorney and got a power of attorney. Uh, we want to make sure that it's your mom actually choosing to do things rather than, than you persuading her to do them and that we can document that. So we're really doing this for the caller's protection as well. And when you say document that, Robert, I think what you're indicating is that we actually have a note in our system that your mother initiated right. the phone call right. or that when you called on your mother's behalf and we said we need to talk to her you then handed the phone to her and got off the phone so that we could have a one-on-one conversation with your mother so isn't this just overkill isn't this lawyers fussing over silliness to drive up the cost because a power of attorney is just a form you can if we won't email you the form you can download it and uh, and take it to your mom um, why don't we just email forms to people who ask for them well robert we don't do that because we're really, in that case, not providing a legal service. A legal service involves real engagement, conversation, assessment, 
application, analysis, discussion. That, that's why people pay for the legal services of Fleming and Curdy. Um, and when you work with a Zoom or certain kinds of document preparation systems, you have to remember you're, you're really not getting the legal analysis. And so, yeah, simply having a short conversation with us on the phone and then saying, email me the document. Well, we've totally missed out on being able to analyze whether the person who's going to actually sign the document has capacity or it reflects what they want. And so it's a complicated thing, Robert. And, and I would tell you, I think desperate times, people say desperate times cause you know people to do desperate things or desperate times call for desperate measures well not always and uh, understand that if you were able to convey some facts that indicate things may be time sensitive in your parent or loved one or whoever calls and needs our help we flagged in our system we're going to do our very best if we need to go out to a hospital make a home visit whatever we can to uh, consider whether or not that attorney-client relationship is something that's a good fit for the person and that we're able to agree to serve in. For the listener who has gotten this far and is saying, well, thanks, I understand what's what, what I'm going to be facing. I'm not there yet. Mom is beginning to get a little confused or dad goes out driving and sometimes can't find his way home, but mostly he can do things. Uh, do we have some advice for that person? Well, Robert, I'll let you give that advice. <laughs> where I was headed was, it's time to tell your parent to get in and get a power of attorney (laughs) now while they still have, clearly have capacity. Because the worst circumstance is doing this in a crisis when they're not really able to make decisions and you're trying to figure out who's gonna have the authority and you're trying to work with your brother and your sister about uh, about the vision of authority and, uh, and you're overwhelmed by the care questions wouldn't it be great if mom or dad or your uncle or whoever it is had gotten to the lawyer and gotten the documents prepared well in advance? I think that's a wonderful point, Robert. And, and remember, it is so helpful to have an independent party assess things and be able at a later date to, to assist the person who really needs help and be another advocate. So that's the other thing is, is that when we establish that attorney-client relationship with somebody and we're creating powers of attorney, remember, you know, part of our job is a role of advocacy. So if there's an issue with the application or the use of the power of attorney and we're contacted by our client saying, I really want so-and-so to be able to, to get a copy of my bank statement from Wells Fargo and Wells Fargo won't recognize my power of attorney that you created, that's going to be a call that we can actually help with because you, the client, are contacting us about the application of your document. That is not something LegalZoom can do. So plan ahead, people. Uh, Understand when you call a lawyer's office and it sounds like they're slow rolling it. Sometimes they are. Uh, They're trying to figure out what the best course of action is. They're trying to avoid having a crisis reaction that just complicates things. And, uh, And they may be trying to deal with the niceties of who their client is and, and what they can actually do. Um, but doing it all in advance is a great help to you and your and your family as well. You've been listening to Elder Law Issues. I'm Robert Fleming. I've been chatting with Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman. We are two of the partners at Fleming and Curdy PLC, a Tucson, Arizona elder law firm. Remember, please, that we know Arizona law. Everything we've talked about here is based on Arizona law. Your law may differ. 
Uh, the language may differ, so talk to your own local lawyer if you have further questions about any of this. Or if you're in Arizona, feel free to, uh, to call us and retain us to do those powers of attorney sooner rather than later. We'll talk with you next week.